This is the Cinema for All podcast. The celebration of going to the cinema with Jack Chell and Abby Standish. Welcome back to the Cinema for All podcast. It's season four and we've missed you. If you're new to us or maybe you just need another introduction, we're Jack and Abby and we're from Cinema for All, which is a national organisation for volunteer-led cinema across the UK. And our podcast is about going to the cinema, something that most of us in the UK have been unable to do for over a year now. So we're really excited to be coming back to you now. UK cinemas are reopening their doors again. Times have changed, seats are spaced out, masks are needed, but we are brimming with energy for the fact that we can get back into a screen and experience the magic of cinema going again. That's right. And today we have a brilliant interview from John Magaro, who is the star of the new Kelly Rycott film, First Cow. Now, we've been waiting for this film to be released in the UK for the longest time, and we're so excited that it's one of the film's audiences can return to the big screen to see. So we talked to John about working with Kelly, male friendship on screen, and his own cinema memories. This man is also desperate to get back to the cinema. Um, Abby and I are also desperate to chat to each other about friendship on screen, which may be more than a little triggered by the fact that the UK is slowly reopening this month and we're starting to be reunited with a lot of our much-loved pals. Absolutely. Can't wait. And, you know, our friendship with the actual cinema is a really important one, so excited about that. But before we get into chats today, we want to remind you of what Cinema for All can do to help you. So if you do run a community cinema or you'd like to set up, head to cinemaforall.org.uk for a wealth of resources and services to support you. If you're a film fan who can't wait to get back into the big screen, head to mycommunitycinema.org.uk to find your local affordable volunteer-led screen. Who's there? Hello? You alright? Hungry. There are uh, some men chasing me. This is a land of riches, I tell you. It's the getting started that's the puzzle. No way for a poor man to start. Tall cow today. First cow in the territory. It's ain't a place for cows. It's no place for white men either. I sense opportunity here. Seems dangerous. So is anything worth doing? Damn it, what's in this thing? I taste London in this game. From Kelly Reichardt. First cow. Some people can't imagine being stolen from. In cinemas, May 28th, and on movie, July 9th. And like us, Cookie. Stay away! We have to make our own way. So usually around here, we have a little chat about what we've seen recently. It used to be when we were watching things on the big screen, which hopefully we will be again soon. But at the moment, we're still watching things at home. At the time of recording this, English cinemas have only been open for two days and we've not gone back yet, although I'm due to this weekend. But Abby, what have you been seeing lately? Oh, exciting this weekend, eh? Might be the same for me too. Ooh. Cannot wait. So um, ready. What I've been watching at home, well, I watched A League of Their Own. <gasps> there's no crying in baseball there's no crying in baseball 
ever since I've been calling um, our cat my diamond gal. Um, oh! My diamond gal. Uh, yeah, really good. I've, I've, I've caught like bits of it on TV as a kid, but really good to see it in all its glory and cool that the old, like the actual real life female player, like baseball players are in it. Um, at little parts too. Gina mm. Davis, obviously great. In Beautiful. Ev- in every sense. Yeah, absolutely So gorgeous. stunning. Um, just really great character, as well as her sister, also very great. Um, I'm looking forward to when they make the TV show. Um, <gasps> Abby Jacobson makes the TV show version of it and kind of updates it a little bit, which is exciting. It, it looks very fabulous. Yeah. All I want to do is I just want to wear one of those baseball outfits. Oh, I'm wanna, desperate. I, I really want to be a racing do... peach. Yeah, I want to do um, like a fancy dress party, like League of Their Own themed would be fun. Please, please. In the future. Please do that. Yeah. <laughs> Desperate for that. <laughs> I also watched um, Songs My Brother Taught Me, which is Chloe Zhao's uh, debut film. Oh, yeah. Which I've, I've, I've collected them all now, absolute Pokemon, about um, about her films, because um, I love The Rider when Jay and I saw that. And I uh, also saw no, no My Land. It was it was good, but it had, didn't have the charm that I feel like her previous films have for me personally. One, because even though Francis Francis McDormand's great in it, it's still like a really famous person at the centre of this story. And I think what's amazing about Chloe Zhao's other films are the kind of real-life non-actors she works with and bases it kind of on their stories and works with them to create these slight alter egos for the screen. Um mm. But yeah, uh, I, I still hope it does really well in cinemas. And I think what was nice about Nomadland is it's focusing stories on um, people that are older, which often are just, you know, not really seen on our screens or, um, yeah, just forgotten about a little bit. But mm. songs my brother taught me, I really enjoyed. You can definitely see what her vision is as a filmmaker so early on in that film. Um yeah, really, really enjoyed it for the people and it was really good. And again, just a really good portrayal of, of where it's set. I also watched I Care A Lot. Have you seen that? Oh, no, but I keep wanting to watch it. How is it? It's a little, I felt it was a little underwhelming, but maybe because I was a bit excited about it because it looked very camp. It looked um, like the concept sounded really interesting. Um but other than visually, I kind of checked out <laughs> a little bit of that one, even though I do think Rosamund Pike's an amazing actor. Uh, I also watched Heartbreak Kid, which is a 70s film by Elaine May. Ooh. Uh, watched that, and that was really, really good. That's the first Elaine May film I've seen. Um, and, yeah, I think they remade it with Ben Stiller in the 2000s, which I just don't think it would translate as well now. But yeah, it's got um, uh, Sybil Shepherd in it, and um, Elaine May's daughter plays one of the other women too. But yeah, really great, very seventies. Um, just a really interesting, interesting film. And Crip Camp, watched that too, which was nominated uh, for best documentary at the Oscars, and yeah. and the Baftas, I think. And it was really good. Yeah, it was. It was really, really good. And what was interesting was it wasn't like a film made about this camp in the past and it's just talking heads, even though it does have that. It's from footage that was being made at that time, which is just really added to it and you really got an insight into how special 
and meaningful this this summer camp was for people with disabilities and um and at that time it was kind of groundbreaking and it follows some of the stories of these people um after that camp and how that was a catalyst for them seeing what life could be like and being open to lots of scenarios that um uh, they had been excluded from or um assumed to be excluded from uh, that they couldn't take part in um which was really incredible and it kind of sent us around this one activist who just seems like a really amazing woman and when you watch it you're like wow the things that were achieved um were really really important but yeah really enjoyed that documentary and i've seen quite a lot a bunch of other stuff but notably cabaret mm. which i've talked to you and jay about because you're you're mm. fans of it um yeah really great Liza Minnelli in her like prime, even though I don't think she's ever left her prime because she's great in Arrested Development. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I liked that it didn't have too many songs in it. It was the numbers meant something when they came up. Um, Such a burn on other musicals. Sorry, musicals. <laughs> I know, I know. Like I do like musicals like live, but in 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 film sometimes like I'm just not as jazzed about them as some people but I do understand the joy people get from them and yeah I thought it was just really quite an incredible film for the time because it's really um got quite a positive and open portrayal of bisexuality and which is incredibly rare to see on screen and also the kind of um the way that they present the Nazi movement coming to terrifying fruition gradually, kind of in the background of people's life in Berlin, was really chilling and really chilling even now to watch. Um, but like it kind of sticks with you almost as much as it would if that was the focus of the film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just found that yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I think that increasingly the tomorrow belongs to me scene is the thing that I think about the most uh, rather than you know the beautiful set pieces and the incredible um songs and the choreography that I keep coming back to that I keep remembering that mm-hmm. I'm sure Jay will uh, uh, producer Jay will disagree because he loves money 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 yeah money, he's, money. He's just sent that on the chat money 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 um yeah also watch mermaids for the first time <gasps> oh my god what? these films that you're watching that i just i rinsed them when i was a teenager league of their own and mermaids just sort of had them constantly on my little vhs player you what great great selection I, I i really enjoyed it i feel like it's a very special film because it's so rare you get films like that because they are about things. There are definitely themes in there. It kind of has, and it does have a story out, but it's also kind of not about anything at the same time. And I just don't think you'd really get many films like that unless they were, you know, very openly more art house, minimal sort of narrative and going for that as a stylistic choice. Whereas this was just cool to follow this family around. Um, and Cher's great in it. Winona, obviously. Winona Ryder, just immediately love her and I'm just coming to appreciate as I get older even though I've always loved her is she is a stunningly good actor like she you never feel like she's acting ever that's what I feel like anyway I just feel she's always so believable and so empathetic no matter what role she plays and does all these like really rather subtle things 
um, that you kind of blink and you miss it a little bit, but they definitely are adding to the texture of the overall film and character. And yeah, I just thought it was a really cool, interesting film. Mm-hmm. It is great. And the dotty dresses absolutely kill me. I just, yeah. I just love the way everybody dresses in that film. and The style. And I, I think, um, I think it resonates with a lot of people who were teenage girls and had relationships with their mum because I think it's a lot about your discovering your sexual awakening, who you're attracted to. And at the same time, you know, I was brought up with a single mum. Um, who was having a relationship with somebody when I was a teenager as well, who's now my dad. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a weird thing to be happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing to have like a parent who's dating, um, at the same time as you're discovering people that you might want to date as well. So that really resonated with me a lot as a kid. And it's one of those films that reminds you that your parents have lives too, which They're sounds people. so silly <laughs> now that we're all grown ups. And obviously, um, it's very obvious once you're a grown up, but when you're a teenager, you have that protagonist syndrome where you, you know, you think you're the Winona writer and the movie's about you, but hey, Winona, it's also about Cher and yeah. Bob Hoskins. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think it does really really well I think you to- you've, you've totally uh, put that exactly right and I think what was clever about it it wasn't like this obvious push pull like this is the antagonist in this scenario and this is the pro- protagonist in this scenario and I feel like storytelling is coming back to that more nuanced look at stuff rather than it's like night and day you know because Winona does love her mum throughout but also is acknowledging the challenges that come with it and vice versa. And I think Bob Hoskins, oh my God, that character is amazing. I couldn't think of another person that could play him. Like, I feel like if the, you know, if the budget was there, they might have gone with like a Jack Nicholson type or whatever. But even though he's great, it's just Bob Hoskins just like captures something so cheerful and like strong and vulnerable all at the same time in that character and I just love that he's a shoe salesman but also like paints does these terrible mm. paintings there's no need to put that in the in the film but they've put it in and I think that's what I mean by it I think you don't see these films very often is they're just kind of showing a lot of expression of a lot of things even if it doesn't necessarily move a plot along or you know is a make or break for a character I just think that's really cool although the mm. only thing that was a bit like ooh, is the guy the the romantic relationship age gap is humongous. Yeah. Uh, a little bit concerning. But um yeah, other than that, for real. <laughs> sort of age gap that we clock now, but wouldn't have clocked in the nineties. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, know why. Things move on, thankfully, and we, we, we become aware. <laughs> um, sure what have what have you been watching? Oh, I know there's a particular st- film you want to talk about, isn't there? There is. There's a couple. There's a couple actually. Okay. I, I, I'm in a. I'm in a nice film mood at the moment because the weather is appalling, hmm. and um, you know this kind of torrential rain on a Saturday to me is musicals weather. <laughs> so the other weekend we stuck on Bye Bye Birdie, which is a musical from 1963 starring Anne Margaret, and I appear to be in some sort of. Um, and Margaret season, which I was not expecting. <laughs> She's not somebody that I've ever seen a film by, uh, never seen one of her films before this year, and now I've seen about four. Um, and I just think she's absolutely bonkers. She's the most she's the most bonkers stage presence of anybody I've ever seen you know one minute she's like just playing it normal and then this this spark appears and it's like <laughs> hey 
It's on Margaret. She's here. Hi. She sounds incredible. <laughs> it's it is incredible, and the film is really just a showcase for her. It's a musical starring Janet Lee and Dick Van Dyke, and she's the third character or the third actor. But I think they saw her like absolute magic, and they retooled a lot of the musical to show her off and she does this insane 60s like cat dancing um it's it's bonkers and the movie um i was aware of this before because I, i've watched mad men a lot and there's an episode where everybody's been to see bye bye birdie and then they're reacting to it and the men are obsessed with Anne margaret and peggy's like i could be that i could do that and she tries to copy some of the singing which is Anne Margaret's singing voice is obnoxious. I will warn everybody right now. It's really grating, but in a very charming way. I can't explain it. Anyway, so that's that was just a great film that I watched for a rainy Saturday. Just absolutely loads of fun. Um, and the premise is that uh, it's set in the 50s and there's an Elvis character and he's been called up to war. So they put on a big sort of um, big show to send him off. And it's it's just really really such a wonderful 60s musical which is right up my street um and another 60s film actually from the same year 1963 that i watched is billy liar which is on movie at the moment um which just absolutely did me in i just loved it so much and i don't know why i've not seen it before i don't know why i've not come to it before and even tom courtney the the main actor it's not somebody that I've really seen in anything before. I know mm-hmm. he still continues to act to this day and he's in absolutely loads of stuff. He was in Quartet and he was in... Um, 45 Years? That's it, yeah. That's the one I meant, yeah. Um, but he's just absolutely magical and he acts everybody off the screen. It's one of those films where you're like, everybody else is a little bit... Oh, this is... I don't want to sound mean, but a little regional, a little bit Corrie Street, a little bit like, oh, look at us up north, get whippets, have a cup of tea. And he's just so vibrant. And I know that that obviously fits the character of Billy Liar, but he's just an incredibly vibrant actor and it just knocked my socks off. And just it's also a character that I really relate to as well, kind of being from a small town with not very much to do, having a really vivid imagination, like a vivid interior life and wanting to leave and do something with my life but also being frightened and not being able to and you know that just absolutely really really resonated and I could watch it on a loop that sounds amazing I've been wanting to watch it based on your recommendation so I'll I'll bump it up the list yeah and another thing that I loved about it is quite a basic thing but I just love that it was in Bradford um yeah it was I just love seeing Bradford Bradford's a really if people aren't familiar with it, it's a really nice town, and especially in that that era, it's so interesting because it's at a sort of point of transition, and a lot of buildings are being knocked down, and you get to see a lot of the old architecture and a lot of new stuff coming up, um, and basically building what a modern city centre would turn out to be. Just found that it's quite sounds really boring. I liked the architecture, but it really did. I just loved seeing Bradford on the big screen, um, even though it was a not massive screen in my own living room. Um, so I watched that on movie and I also watched Personal Shopper on movie and I wanted to bring that up because I know that you really like that. Um, yeah. And really like Kristen Stewart as a as an actor. Um, that That's a film that I didn't watch when it came out because I thought it was about a personal shopper and it's a ghost story. Nobody told me it was a ghost story. It was so much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. I loved it. I said, I want to revisit it, but the cinema... 
I feel like it definitely was like a line divide, even the friends I saw it with. I saw it at the Barbican Cinema, actually, like on a trip to London, which made it even more special, like coming out oh, into like yeah. um, all these people on scooters. And I'm like, are you a personal shopper? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you texting ghosts? Yeah, I don't think many films can say they've got great texting scene, <laughs> but yeah. it truly does have a great texting scene. And it's I feel like tense. it's really clever. They don't, I don't, mm. yeah, it's hard to say stuff about it without saying too much, but I'd totally recommend it, would you? I would absolutely recommend it. I really, really loved it, and it took me by surprise, and I only really watched it because I saw it was on movie, and I was like, oh, Ab says this is good, let's stick this on. Um, but it, it was not what I expected at all, and I wish they'd named it something else. <laughs> Go, ghosty shopping, ghosty texts, something with ghost in. I think a lot of people might have seen this film because they just didn't think, they thought it was about fashion, which it has got a lot of really beautiful fashion in it, actually. It, it really is very satisfying if you like to see a lot of beautiful garments. Um, but I do wish they called it something else and more people saw it because that would have uh, that would have drawn me more, for sure. Um, and then the last film, before we move on, that I want to talk to you about is Strict. Strictly Ballroom, because I know that you watched this for the first time recently as well, and I have no idea why I've never seen it before, because I love that era of Australian film. I love Muriel's Wedding, Uh, I love Priscilla Green's The Desert, and these films are are, are part of what's called the Glitter Cycle, and for some reason I was missing this part of the Glitter Cycle. Like, why why would I do that to myself? Um, But again, rainy day, stick it on loved it just loved it i love that that um 90s australian style where they're like mums and dads are like made up to the high heavens mm-hmm. always smoking always in social clubs it's just it resonates very much with my childhood yeah. except but they have a lot more makeup on <laughs> they have a lot more <laughs> blue eyeliner on um just just a gorgeous film. Absolutely didn't expect it at all. I thought it was a serious film, and it's not. It's a very sweet, lovely comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just a lovely rainy day film. And if anybody's feeling a little bit blue this weekend, I really recommend sticking that on. Yeah, it's got this really unique way of banishing the blues, I, I would say. Like, mm. it. I think, yeah, I, I wasn't feeling too great. When I turned, when I watched it, and then like within the first five minutes, I forgot everything, and mm. I was just in bed, in this, and it just like lifted the things that you like like again, and and just lifts your mood. You're totally right, and not in not in the way that like obviously singing in the rain does that because it's like an all out musical razzle dazzle thing. It 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 just does it in this very like gradual, unique. Well, not even gradual, it actually just busts through the door. It's like, I'm here, and you're going to be glad. It's like a best friend, speaking of friendship, like a best friend coming in, like, I've brought supplies, let's get you cheered up, this is funny, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's some incredible names, Tina Sparkles. I mean... Tina Sparkles? Sorry, Tina Sparkles. Are you dancing with Tina Sparkles? <laughs> um, you're a gutless wonder. Gutless wonder, just like incredible <laughs> language. But also... This sheer tenderness. There's like, mm. I, there's, there's times like I well up even just thinking about certain scenes, and I feel that way about like dancing anyway. But like, yeah, obviously a lot of it's ridiculous. And the first like ten minutes, it's pretending it's going to be a mockumentary, and then it kind of just like 
jibs that off as an idea, which I kind of love it when films just like boldly think, oh, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, just just some really beautiful scenes. Like, yeah, it's got some of my favourite like comedy lines, but also um, sort of really like meaningful lines. Like, um, a life lived in fear is a life half lived. That like shook me to the core. I guess it's just these truths that you know internally all the time. And every mm. now and then every frequency in your brain receive like receives it and you're like mm. and it's just I don't know it's just kind of like I don't know I just loved it but it's also really like silly as well perfect perfect balance <laughs> it's a good good double bill with with Billy Lyre actually when you talk about yeah the life lived in fear thing that's that's mm. a really a really nice a nice match so oh, ah. so good you like ah, I feel I like films. we should do something about Australian cinema for the podcast at one point, maybe. Maybe just like 90s, because there's just so much good stuff we couldn't do it in one episode, but... Oh, I would love that. I would love that. That sounds fabulous. Okay, watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> now on to our theme for today. We wanted to talk around friendship on the big screen, and not just because our lovely interview with John and what First Cow explores is around friendship, but because the world is hopefully reopening again, and we've been thinking a lot about friendships and how we've endured these times apart. A lot of what John and I spoke around is about friendship on the big screen, especially male friendship, because First Cow, but no spoilers, does depict a very sweet, very domestic friendship, and that's quite a rare thing on the big screen. Friendship is such an enriching part of our lives, and it's as unique and important as any other kind of relationship, but it can often be undervalued in our society, and it's rarely depicted on screen as a central story. So when we do see friendship on screen, it can often be gendered into stereotypes. For example, a friendship between two male characters, also known as a bromance, can often be rooted in competition or being better than, seen in films like The Odd Couple or Bad Neighbours. Yeah, and there are films that show a more dynamic male friendship or more progressive male friendship, such as Wayne's World or I Love You Man, which I always call the the I Love You Man, as if he's a superhero. <laughs> um, Bad Boys and the Harold and Kumar movies, which I love to bits. Um, but these tend to be more blockbustery, more on the blockbustery side. It's quite rare to see that quiet, positive friendship that we see depicted in First Cow, where people are working to survive together and to grow as people and connect over homesteading or domesticity. There's also the long-existing trope of the best friend character, and that's normally seen in rom-coms, where the central character is a best friend that will only pop into scenes to offer lazy exposition of the character, be a constant source of wisdom or wit, or listen to them complain about their own life. And whilst friendships sometimes seesaw like that with ebbs and flows of life, these scenes are rarely an equal exchange between the two friends, and it can often be hard to see why they'd be friends at all. At best, these characters are a vague window into the main character's role, and at worst, they're tokenistic, where a best friend character, often played by somebody from a marginalised community, either a person of colour or a queer person, is a counterpart to the white straight character in the film, and that sidelines their lives. This can be seen particularly in Rupert Everett's character George in My Best Friend's Wedding. But in the last decade, we are starting to see more positive and equal portrayals of friendship that show the true glow and trials of friendship, such as Celine Sciamma's Girlhood, which offers a truly iconic scene of a group of friends dancing to Rihanna's Diamonds, or Ladybird, which gives some care and attention to Ladybird and Julie's friendship as any romantic relationship that results in one of the best prom scenes on film, in my opinion. And there's the hilarious girls trip and Booksmart, 
They also spring to mind, and they're not only box office hits, but also really critically acclaimed. It's probably 70s films that come to mind for me when I think of great male friendships on screen. Usually two incredibly talented and famous performers just bouncing off one another and enjoying each other's performances. So things like Butch and Sundance, Midnight Cowboy and California Split. But when we come to think of more recent male friendship films, we've come up short, haven't we, Ab? Again, apart from blockbuster comedies like 21 Jump Street, and even then there's a complicating action where the friendship's threatened instead of just enjoyed. So as we said before, it is a funny time to be thinking of friendships on screen. We've all been surviving on friendships over Zoom or during brief walks in the fresh air, and friendship for many of us this year has a lot of has lost its spontaneity. So it's lovely to spend some time thinking about depictions of friendship on screen and remember what it's like to have normal friendships out there in the real world. I think what we really love about films that have friendship as a central story is yes, there are a lot of jokes, perhaps from their stark differences or their commonalities, but it's the quiet, profound nature of acceptance for exactly who we are, and I think that's what makes them really, really special. And on that note, let's get on to John's interview about first. I absolutely loved First Cow. I saw it a couple of months ago as a preview, and just it was like soup. It was so soothing for this time, just mm-hmm. the pace and and everything. So um, yeah, I want to know what what drew you to the film first of all. Um, I think you, you touched on one of them. It, it is soothing. I mean, even on the initial read of the script, there was just something different about it than anything I had read before. Um, but it was comforting and it was clear. Uh, Kelly's vision, I thought, was very, very clear on the page and not a lot changed in the ultimate telling of it. Um, I mean, just on that initial read, I, you, I felt very connected to it. I understood who Cookie was. Uh, I, I felt like I understood the story and I left, you know, devastated, uh, really, really heartbroken in a way. Um, uh, and I, I, I was very excited to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, that, for me, the film it really spoke to me about friendship and it really spoke to me about male friendship. Um, was there anything that you and Orion did to kind of build that bond between you before, before you started filming? Um, when you're thrown into a set, it's such an unnatural thing. And especially if you're trying to tell a story about friendship and you're doing it with someone you've never met before. Um, Orion and I met maybe a week before we started shooting. Um, we were fortunate enough to do what has been described as a boot camp. It was more like we went camping for a few days in the woods um, where we were taught kind of our skills. Uh, Orion was foraging and skinning muskrats and I was cooking and we were building fire and we were finding kindling to make fire. So we had a guide who was teaching us all these skills. Uh, And meanwhile, we were building a friendship so we were getting to know each other and understanding each other's rhythms, um, which allowed us to kind of have a foundation on the first day of shooting. We also, you know, spent a few days before production. We visited a fort that was kind of, you know, one of those museum type forts, a reconstruction of one of the forts that would have been in Portland at the time. Um, so we spent the day together and, Ultimately, 
you know, first Cal, like you said, is a story of friendship and, and you're seeing this friendship develop over the course of the movie. Um, and Orion and I were developing our friendship over the course of shooting it. So what you're seeing is, is something that's very organic and natural, uh, something that's actually happening. Um, yeah. And, and hopefully that translates into a good experience for the people watching. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt that. I mean, watching the baking and the homesteading, the foraging, it's sort of a very different look at frontier life and Western life than I've perhaps seen on film before. Um, so it, even though there's peril in the film, lots of peril, it feels just so peaceful. I mean, was it a peaceful filming experience? Yeah. Um, well, Kelly, you know, if you look at her, her, her cast list and crew list, you see a lot of repeat customers. You see people coming back. And I think there's a, a reason for that from the other artists. And there's a reason that Kelly does that. Um, Kelly is building kind of a family or community of artists in, in her work. Um, it's almost an ensemble type experience like theater used to be, you know, uh, um, and because of that, there's also a peacefulness to it. There's, um, everyone is trusted. Everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone um, is focused on making the best film possible. Um, and also we were really lucky to be shooting in the, the environment that this story was taking place. We were in the Pacific Northwest we had access to these beautiful forests that were untouched. A lot of the Pacific Northwest has been logged. So you have trees that are less than a hundred years old. You know, it's very, it's new. Um, and we needed that old world, that untouched world. So we were in these forests that had never been touched, that were pristine and peaceful. And you had the sounds of nature and you had deer who weren't afraid of humans coming straight up to us and letting us touch them. Um, so coming to that, environment every day for work you know there was it was impossible not to be affected by it um so i think that peacefulness translates onto the film and you know i don't even know if kelly would call this a western um it's it fits into that world because it's people going out west and and living in the frontier um it's a story of friendship it's a story about other things obviously but you have these antithetical Western heroes who, who kind of break the, the mold of what it meant to be a man in the West. Um, and those guys certainly were there. You know, there's no doubt about it. They weren't all John Wayne out there. So I think it was really bold and refreshing for Kelly to offer Cookie and King Lou into the canon of Western film. Absolutely. And into the canon of um, male friendships on screen as well. It made me think of things like Butch and Sundance. It made me think of Midnight Cowboy, which is one of my absolute yeah. films. Um, did you draw on any other films or any other kind of male friendships as inspiration? No, not, not really. Um, I, I think, you know, oftentimes male friendships on film is, is a lot of one-upmanship. I yeah. think that's the idea is like, it's like, I'm going to be funnier than you, or I'm going to be more tough than you or whatever like oftentimes that's the 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 male dynamic we see on screen um 
so uh, you know, I, I did, there wasn't really a need to to go there. It was so clear in the script their friendship and and how it was and the innocence of it and you know, so so I I didn't really to to develop the friendship. I didn't really reference a lot of films. Kelly um, sent films as reference and also books and things like that, but they were more you know just to sort of get in either tonally or. or um, you know, but it was always tangential. It was never direct um, reference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is not quite a question, but tell me about the cow. The cow? The cow, uh, yeah. Just the cow. Oh, Evie. Evie. Evie was wonderful. She's really a beautiful, beautiful animal and uh, super easy to work with. Uh, I bribed her a lot with, you know, carrots and apples and things like that. So that helped her forge a bond with me. Um, you know, the scenes where I'm milking her were some of my favorite moments. It was just really peaceful and being next to her was really calming and, and, and reassuring. Um, and we had a lovely moment when she nuzzles me uh, that, that came about not, you know, that just was happenstance because over the week we had become you know she uh, i think you know she knew she could get treats from me so she started nuzzling up against being that scene that was kind of pushing her away but um yeah one of the best scene partners i've ever had wow that's that's something that a lot of other scene partners are gonna have to live up to now yeah. <laughs> um so in the uk this is a film that we've been waiting for for a long time to be on the big screen um so you know our podcast and our organization is all about big screen experiences so um just wondering if you could talk about your you know are you a cinema goer are you a big fan of going to the big screen yeah i mean i've forgotten it it's been for it's so sad because it uh, the last the last movie i saw in theaters i think was 1917 Right. Right. Because that was like right around the Oscars of 2020. Right. Yeah. That came out in 2019. Um, yeah. And then everything. And then I was away working and then I saw first cow at the you know, premiere, obviously. Um, and then everything just stopped. Uh, and it's still kind of stopped. It's starting to kind of come back, but, but it's, it's, it's also so much has changed in the world and so much has changed in cinema the theater right by me, you know, an independent cinema, all the movies there are now on TV already. You know, they're on Netflix, they're on Hulu, they're on, you know, HBO Max. Um, and I, I, you know, when I first moved to New York, I would see a film in the theater almost every day because uh, I wasn't working yet and I wanted to learn and, and study and, uh, I hope it. I hope it comes back. I'm guilty of not going right back to the theater once it opened. But but you know it's it's weird. Something's weird. You know there's a, you feel a little unsafe. You feel um, I don't know. It's it's sad. I hope it. I hope it comes back. I really am uncertain about the future of the movie theater experience. But I know films will continue to be made, and I hope. Uh, the theater always has a place for us. Yeah, I mean, I think that a film like First Cow is one of the perfect films for people to go back to the big screen for because it's so meditative, it's so peaceful, it's so still, 
you put your phone down and you have that experience of just yeah. paying attention. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. It's, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think we, our attention has become shorter. And again, I'll say I'm guilty of it too. Um, it's not the, a movie where you watch it at home and pause it and check your text and, you know, things like that. It's not the, that kind of movie. It is a movie you need to just sit and kind of, you know, unplug for, for a while. I was working this year and this actor might be mad that I'm going to say this, but maybe he won't hear this. Um, we were working in December and uh, someone was talking about First Cow I think it was when we, we just got nominated for like Indie Spirit Awards or something like that. And he was like, oh, I need to watch that. So that day while we were shooting, he was watching it on his phone. And I was like, how can you watch it on your – I was like, okay. Like, I didn't want to, you know. But uh, part of me just sort of died inside at the fact that he was watching it on his phone and knowing that's just not the way it should be watched. Um, so, yeah, that was sad. Yeah. Not quite that kind of film, but yeah. <laughs> um, can you? I mean, can you think of any of your sort of favorite big screen experiences or just moments in a cinema with audiences? Oh man, uh, that's that's so hard. There's way too many. You know, I mean, the the real the. You know, it's 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 when I was younger. It's when you know it changes, especially when you're in this this industry your your relationship to the cinema changes because you know it's like you work in the sausage plant and you see how the sausage is made so you sort of you know i i part of me wishes i could go back to that innocent time but like you know as a kid going to the theater was so exciting um you know seeing like jurassic park on the big screen that was just so magical and when i was in high school like the first time i saw royal tenenbaums and like being blown away, being like, wow, this is, this is, this film can be this too, you know? Um, yeah, but there's just, there's so many, and especially for young people, it, it, it's so necessary. It's so exciting. It's such a wonder, you know, magical thing to be a part of and sharing that with your friends um, is really, it helps forge those friendships. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can see, like, I'm smiling thinking about these memories because we all have them and they're, they're just, you know, nothing else is like them. That's exactly it. That's, that's it. That's, yeah, that's what our organization believes as well. And we just can't wait for UK audiences to be back and to be watching mm -hmm. films like First Cow and just enjoying that, that peaceful moment again and, yeah, back on the big screen. So. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. I think that's all, all of my questions. It's been really lovely to talk to you and I absolutely love the film to bits, so I, I can't wait for everybody else to see it. But thanks thank so much. Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to us today. We're so happy to be back for season four. We've got loads of extra content planned for you, but do feel free to go back and check out some of our previous episodes. They are chocked full of cinema goodness and isn't it about time? Exactly. And if you're interested in ways to support Cinema For All as a charity, you can visit cinemaforall.org.uk forward slash donate and we'll have some links in our show notes of other ways you can support us and create Cinema For All. But for now, it's time to roll credits. Producer, Jay Platt. Logo designed by Lydia Lipinski at Thoughts Make Things. Hosted by Jack Chell and Abby Sandish with thanks to John Magaro, Organic Publicity, Movie and Deborah Parker. 
The Cinema for All podcast is supported by the BFI awarding funds from the National Lottery. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs>